That accuracy a week ago was $15,000. Now that accuracy can be had- Less than half of that. Now at $3,000. So we've, yeah. we've made a huge jump here. Everybody and welcome to episode number 94 of No Putts Given. I'm Miranda here with Tony, Harry, and Chris. And you might have noticed we've been gone for a little while. That's because we just got back from our mental health week that we are gifted twice a year. So, guys, how was the time off? Good? Awesome. Three weeks too short, at least. I think we go for mental health October next yeah. year. I, you know, I'll let me write that down and I'll bring it to the boss and see what he says. <laughs> Tell, ask Adam, we'd like to know when mental health quarter is. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody do anything cool while we were off? You didn't hear from me, so that's good news. I went to England. My kids are all in school, so I had kind of these like gaps in the day where it's like, oh my gosh. Sometimes the best schedule is just not having a schedule. I love that when you wake up and it's like, hey, what do I have to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do? You know, I, so just getting in that kind of mindset is uh, very, very good for me. Very mentally healthy. Um, Miranda, Harry, how about you? Did you throw animals around? Did you? <laughs> no, I didn't actually. I had an animal-free week. Um, Harry, this is going to be a weird question because I was there with you, but how was England? Yeah, it was great. It is a bit weird. It was nice <laughs> to be back um, with the family and friends and we consumed our body weight in alcohol pretty quickly in the first couple of days there, so. It wasn't that bad. You were struggling. It, it was condensed is what it was. We went and <laughs> we were sitting with some of Harry's friends at a pub and I had gotten another glass of wine when they all got another beer. And at a certain point I look around and everyone's staring at me and they're like whispers like, are you ready to go? And they're like, no, Miranda's still finishing her drink. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> That they really do, that they they chug it and they move to the next spot. And I was, yeah. I'm not in that sort of shape. Nor am I, but I quickly got back into it. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, did you build your house? Is it done yet? No, still don't even have a hole in the ground. So hmm. keep us updated on that. We're waiting. Anxiously. We're on hole watch. Which... <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of things that are highly anticipated, um, we have been getting questions about the GC3 for weeks and we finally have answers. Do you mean the Bushnell Launch Pro? I mean both. Is it the same? It's Ooh. all of them. <laughs> it's all encompassing. It's everything you could ever imagine in a semi-personal launch monitor. <laughs> but Tony, Thursday of last week, we finally had the answer. So that article has been up and some details are out um, for a couple of days. But why don't we dive right in? Tell me the GC3, give me the lowdown on the Launch Pro. What's the same? What's different? Let's hear it. So effectively, the Bushnell Launch Pro and the Foresight GC3 are the same device. Hardware is the same. Programming is the same. Capabilities are the same. Um, the only difference is one says Bushnell Launch Pro and the other says Foresight GC3. The difference really between the two is in the, the pricing structure, the pricing model. So the GC3, which retails for basically $7,000, is an all-in-one, get everything that it's going to offer you in one lump sum payment, if you will. So you get your, your ball data, your head data, you get uh, effectively FSX software with, with some golf courses, the ability to play online games, you get uh, Foresight's Fairgrounds games package. It's the full suite. Do you, you have will. to pay for that playground extra packet every year, or is it literally just, hey, here's your no? One so that's yeah, no. You're you're you're. It's a one one time, time so all in. 
Yeah, there's no there's no subscription fees, anything like that. It's basically the same model you get with a GC Quad, right? If you yeah. once you buy something, it is yours. It's and, all and inclusive. It's Jamaica all inclusive. Have as many pina coladas as you want. Exactly. Whereas the Bushnell Launch Pro is is meant to be, I guess, what you could say, more consumer friendly from a price standpoint. So at uh, twenty nine ninety nine. 3,000. You get the base unit. It gives you ball data. No club head data. You do get club head data with the uh, the GC3 right out of the box. In terms of functionality, what you get is a digital readout on the screen one shot at a time. So very similar to what you get with other consumer grade launch monitors that don't have kind of robust software packages. Um, the first upgrade, which 99, right? Is that what we're saying, Harry? Yeah, for the level one. 99 level yep. one uh, as i understand it level one here i think they call it the bronze package not completely positive on that yet but that is effectively included for one year at least that's the latest i heard please don't hold me to it because you know something may change but, or may have changed if we were able to tell you this has been a fluid situation we're not <laughs> exaggerating in any way shape or form so <laughs> yeah so subject with, to change with with that package you get connectivity to an iPad. Effectively, it works the same way like before Foresight started offering the, the software for free, kind of what you, the, the more robust software for free, it's it's what you would get at that entry level. So a 2D launch monitor, uh, driving range display, one shot at a time, um, but no additional ability to kind of connect to a projector or, or anything like that. Yeah, or like to hold on to a bunch of data, like you can't like download it and export it in an Excel you know, spreadsheet, et cetera. So, right. right. So it's pretty basic functionality, right? Yep. The next level up gets you some actual kind of what you would call simulation software. For 399. Yep. It, it gives you the ability to connect and project. So connect to a computer, project to a screen. Um, you can play a round of golf. Uh, you can use the virtual driving range. Uh, the, the caveat is here is as I understand it at this time, let's, you know, let's qualify everything for now. Um, you're limited to a single player in that mode. So it's, it's not, you know, bring all your friends over and have a party. There's no online play, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the limitation there. And then when you step up to the, the top tier package, which is $800 a year, effectively the Launch Pro becomes identical to the GC3. So you get that, that full software package, the, the, the games, the ability to play online, the ability to you know have multiple players at a time, have your friends over, have a big old party and have a good time with it. But if you got the GC3 straight off, you get rid of that for free. Right. Well, well, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Like, sorry, Bushnell, if I'm like blowing a cover here, but after a couple of years, you've paid what you would have well, paid. Well, five, about yeah. five years. Yep. The, I'm sure it's not accidental math. It's basically no, it's not. <laughs> five years of paying for a subscription is your is your break even because you're three thousand out of the gate, right? Three thousand out of the gate, eight hundred a year. And, and the thing, yeah, but you but you continue having to pay that eight hundred after go. the fifth year. Bingo. So you're the winner, Miranda. You're the thank winner. Thank you, thank you. I'm not saying I'm your financial advisor, but make sure you make careful consideration of that small detail. Here's the thing, though. So when you get to that five year stint, right? You've got to expect that there's going to be some more products on the market, probably a little bit cheaper, possibly as good, if not better than the GC3. Hmm. Interesting point. I mean, the Foresight guys are pretty smart. They're not going to be saying in five years time, we're not going to come out of another product. So there is going to... You think? 
there's going to be another product somewhere. It has to be. I mean, how long has GC Quad been out? I mean, we're getting to be about five years and there's sort yeah. of like you can you can make an argument, right? Is there a fundamental need to to release a new model? Is it is it going to be significantly more accurate at this point? I can't see that. And if so, the, the hardware is already what it needs to be. Now, you could see maybe what if we added two more cameras that telescope up and we can look at the shaft in a different way or something That's like that. That's a GC Hawk. Right. Pretty much. So you have from a functionality <laughs> standpoint, the hardware does, a, you know, and I say everything imaginable, but it is everything imaginable right now. Right. By me, so that's already limited. People <laughs> said that though about like the iPhone five. It's like, God, what yeah. else can you possibly want Fair in enough. a phone? Yeah, I mean, I remember and now you got like the thirteen, and I mean, it's it's faster, a better camera, more video, more integrated things, better battery life, right? All these little iterative things. I think fundamentally, though, the the hardware itself, you know, because you're talking about camera resolution, and maybe they can improve on the cameras and and processing power and things like that. It, it seems to be able to do everything it needs to do and more. So I think sort of the pathway to improvement, making the device better is is fundamentally going to be through software but anyway. But we don't know what technology will be like in five years' time. Well, yeah. and that's, you don't know what the competitive set is. Gonna be. I want to see him call one the GC Ocho. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that other companies will figure their shit out and they'll be a more competitive space and it will all be in that same kind of price bracket but they can it will get pushed down and it'll be cheaper in in maybe five years yeah i think what you have here is kind of the new line in the sand right like exactly let's say it's even three thousand right right yeah. at the base and so i i think you are going to see competitors come out at that price point with more features and things like that and so if and when that happens what you'll see foresight do is is look at you know, how accurate those are relative to their devices and say, you know, is this a serious competitor in terms of accuracy? And if it is, then then maybe you start kind of roll out, you know, expand the feature set of what your device can do at that price. So, you know, there's there's yeah. going to be fluidity in the market anyway. But, you know, as I, as I said in the article, within the what you would consider consumer grade or prosumer personal launch monitor space, and admittedly, this is certainly on the higher end of that space we we certainly haven't seen anything that comes close for accuracy reliability whatever you want to call it especially when you factor in the ability to use it with equal proficiency indoors and out did we miss something which is the bushnell foresight why are they dating each other now thing that vista by we brushed like, over it in the beginning tony briefly mentioned it okay or am i remembering the article <laughs> i don't know me too I, was yeah, like. I did at the beginning of the article so uh, yeah at the beginning of the article you did i don't know if we talked about it so, here tony give us the lowdown and then we'll talk to harry about testing <laughs> so why is bush now working with foresight why are they dating each other well so you know originally right we had heard that this had kind of they'd been working on this for a couple of years and the partnership made sense because Bushnell had kind of a reach into the consumer space that Foresight didn't necessarily have. And so at that time, it made sense. But lo and behold, it turns out that uh, Vista Outdoor Group, uh, which is the parent company for Bushnell, Bushnell Golf, among others, recently acquired Foresight Sports. So for how much? I, I want to say 424. 474 million. That happened about three. So by the time you're watching this, about four weeks ago, 
And so now the partnership makes sense. It's you can see how, well, you know, we're not really stepping on each other's toes. We're not competing with each other for sales of the same product. And so just, I was certainly scratching my head before I knew about that because I was like, wait, why? Yeah, it's one seems... a US thing and one's not. But Well, when I was seeing it, I didn't see um, that they were going to sell out at that time. When we first heard about this going on with Foresight, with Bushnell and Foresight, we were thinking, all right, well, why are they doing that? Well, Bushnell are in every single golf, big golf retail store around the country, if not the world. Foresight are on maybe one or two channels to sell their products. So the upside for Foresight is to sell a shit ton more products through the distribution sites of Bushnell. And Bushnell gets money, blah, blah, blah. So in that aspect, it was a good win-win lo and behold is we didn't oh, no. know <laughs> we didn't know that they were actually coming out of a deal um to to partner all right so we've talked software we've talked uh, company relationships most important thing is the accuracy how well does it work is it worth your money harry you put it through a, a small preliminary test what did you find since the article went out i've done a lot more testing i've still got to do the head data testing uh, as when we were doing it, it wasn't quite fully unlocked at that point, but now it is. Mm. So I can jump on that. So they gave you a they gave you a prototype essentially to. to well, yeah, that was their kind of strategy for the initial yeah. release was to give you absolute kind of the bare bones what you you would get at that kind of entry level yeah price point yeah. So now they've unlocked it for us, and we can do a little bit more. We can do a little bit more, but okay. so as much as we did is the five matrix uh, data metric points, um, ball speed, clubhead speed. Uh, launch angle, launch direction, and spin. Forward. Forward is launch direction. Forward, yes. <laughs> it, yes. General. <laughs> not always. Not Unless always. you're golfing with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really surprised because it's based on the same, same algorithms as a GC quad. It's within one yard for the most part. I would say one to three yards, depending on how fast you're swinging it. Launch angle is within... 0.5 to one degree that is pushing it too. spin rate is ridiculously good where competitors are potentially a thousand to two thousand revolutions off where these guys and the gc3 is maybe 400 revolutions maybe and that's at a high spin shot too i was gonna say yeah that's a high spin shot we're talking ten thousand, right it's not 400 on a driver it's it's 400 on a yeah. wedge that and that's the extreme end of the range and it's, yeah Exactly. So it, on, it's, on percentage, it's it's ridiculously yes. tight. So it was really good. When I read the article, this is what I thought about was, okay, when we started doing this, you know, quite a while ago, right? GC2 was the industry standard, the absolute best that would rate. Like if you went into a fitting bay and they had a GC2, that was entirely accurate, right? I mean, we started off, right, Tony Beck, you know, this is predates my time at my golf but you That's what you used for the testing initially, and it was ridiculously accurate. And so that was two cameras. And now we go to four with GC quad four or five years ago, whatever. And now this is three. So it's in the middle. So it just, I know this is math, but two, three, four, it would certainly seem that three is going to be at as accurate, if not more accurate than two, which used to be the standard really not all that long ago. Yeah, so I actually, this is one of the things I talked to the guys at Foresight about, and they're saying, <laughs> absolutely, this is more accurate. And really, it's it's just sort of like, less prone to whiffs is really what you mm -hmm. get to. 
<laughs> when you're talking about accuracy, right? It's not like the, the GC quad was, or GC2 wasn't accurate. It's just, you know, occasionally it would miss shots and standard deviations, you know, on the, on the programming, maybe not as tight, but, you know, so now you've exceeded the GC2. You're, you're really almost to GC level four accuracy. And I say that because this is, this was kind of what Foresight wanted to achieve, or at least where they weren't willing to sacrifice, right? It's, if you look at kind of the the launch monitors that we talk about often in this personal launch monitor space, especially around $500, like they do lots of cool things, but they're not always accurate. And so kind of the decision was made at Foresight is like, look, we're not, we're not going to release a launch monitor that doesn't give you accurate data. So to, to hit a price point and admittedly to maintain differentiation from our quad, which starts at $15,000, we're going to give you fewer data points than you get with an enterprise system, but what you get is going to be really good, really reliable. Yeah, there you go. Let's face it. The data that they've given are the key data points that everyday golfer can pretty much understand and work off. No one needs to know like the side tilt and X, Y, Z. They don't really understand that. Hell, I don't understand some of that. It's just kind of stupid. Can we use the term azimuth? Because I thought azimuth. it'd be important to get the azimuth, azimuth well, in there. You do get the azimuth. You get the side. <laughs> side but yeah, it's like I'd like to see a few more data points, but I think Harry's right. Yeah, for, for most golfers, this is everything that they need. And the other thing, in terms of the accuracy, it's worth pointing out that as part of the kind of the final stage of the development process, Foresight took the GC3 slash Launch Pro and they sent it to their OEM customers that are guys that are using the quads, mm -hmm. that rely on the quads to develop clubs, to test clubs, to do, you know, all that stuff and said, hey, check this out for us. Let's make sure that it's accurate. And it came back and it was like, yeah, this is good. These numbers yeah. are... They're spot on. They're what they should be. And yeah. so, again, <laughs> you're paying more, but I mean, it's... I. I I've fundamentally just never been able to wrap my head around the idea of I'm going to pay $500 for a launch monitor uh, with the caveat that it's not accurate. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> What's yeah. the point? Right. So we figured out right now the cost for that accuracy is 3000 right to 7000 It's a, what does he say to a 1985 Yugo? And I had this conversation with, with a buddy who texted me because he was looking at one of these consumer grade devices, $500 price point. He's like, should I get this? You know, is it accurate? And what I came back with, imagine a world where a clock, that an accurate clock costs $15,000. You can get another clock for $500. And sometimes it's going to be accurate. And a lot of the time it's not going to be accurate. And most of the time you're never going to know if it's accurate or not. Is, <laughs> is, that, is that a clock that's worth having? That analogy obviously works for me because it, it really is like, what, what good is a clock if, if it's not accurate? And that's kind of the same thing with a launch monitor. And so the big sh paradigm shift for me here is that, you know, that accuracy a week ago was $15,000 for, granted, a larger set of metrics. Now that accuracy can be had less than half of that. Now at $3,000. So we've, yeah. we've made a huge jump here with, with this device. And I think, you know, this is certainly the most promising thing we've seen in the category and hopefully will spur some, some more innovation and, and ultimately better accuracy, right? So, yeah. One, one quick question on that is people are going to ask, well, what doesn't give you total distance? You shouldn't be going off a total distance for the most part because especially over here, you're going to be trying to carry it a certain distance over objects, this, that, and the other. You're not going to be rolling into those objects. You want to be carrying them 
So that's why there's no total distance. So just bear that in mind when you're looking at that. Deal. Okay. They went on sale yesterday. So if you want to get one for your rec room, your garage, your backyard, wherever it may be, you can now buy them um, and let us know what you think when you get them. We want to hear about it. This is so funny. I'm reading one of the comments. I might be out of bounds, but maybe I reflect some of the MGS members when I say I'm fed up. I'm fed up with all sports being data-driven crazy. I know it matters, but seriously, what would 3K in lessons do to majority of MGS readers? Probably not a lot. I can sort of see where he's coming from. Like sports wasn't meant to be math homework. So if you're playing football or basketball and you're thinking about angles and this, that, or the other, does it take some of the angles. love of the game? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> angles, spangles. He said, uh, <laughs> can we slice and dice data on swing coaches, PGA pros, and teaching centers? Sure. Wouldn't that speed up play, solve a distance crisis, and lower the national debt all at the same time? <laughs> what? There's a lot of things that guy doesn't get, one of which is it's not like the data's new, like mathematical thinking. It's just it's being applied in all these different disciplines. Yeah. The math's always been there. The information has always been there. We're just starting to figure things out. So it's not like someone's on a quantitative hell ride to destroy athletics. It's just... Yeah, I think we should table this for a topic next week or something because I think that's really interesting. It is kind of interesting. Okay. I, I obviously have strong feelings about it. Okay, Tony, do you want to tell us what time it is? Mailbag! All right. Mailbag! Okay. <laughs> Today's mailbag has been more interesting. We had the editor's choice come out this week. So Brian, or last week, sorry. Brian... I hope I'm saying your last name right. Fedotin um, said, please no explain the difference. <laughs> no way be. that's right. <laughs> F-E-D-O-T-I-N. Oh, maybe. Brian Fedotin? Good, yeah. Fedotin, maybe? Yeah. I'm sorry, Brian. Brian wants to know, <laughs> uh, please explain the difference between the 2021 Most Wanted Driver list, which had the Ep Epic Max LS as the top driver, and this week's 2021 Editor's Choice Awards, which ranked the Sim 2 Max as the top driver. What's the best one according to my golf spy? Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so <laughs> Thanks, I figured Brian. this is a question. <laughs> this is a question that a lot of readers have. Um, Chris, you want to dig into yeah. the discrepancy or what the differences might be between these two articles? Brian, first of all, if we did not get your last name right, that's my fault. I will send you this Japanese head cover. You're welcome for that. <laughs> How Reach out. Got those head let covers. me know. I got. I sent like three or four out last week to a couple of people just uh, randomly. So they're making their way through there. So Brian, there you go. <laughs> in one sense, there, there's a category, right, of what we do that's entirely data-driven, and the numbers will always make those final decisions, and that really is the, right, the basis for our most wanted testing, and, and if you really understand how the numbers work, then you understand as well that there's certain things that those numbers can't tell you, right? There's, you know, there's, you know, statistics, whatever that uh, quote is, you know, lies, damn lies, lies damn and lies and statistics. Yeah. And what's great about most wanted testing is we're looking at, you know, our strokes gain metric. We're looking at, uh, you know, basically the percentage likelihood that a club's going to perform well for people in a given class, whether it's swing speed, handicap, whatever it is. And the vast majority of those people, right, are off the rack buyers, not people that are going through a robust fitting scenario, etc. So the the data encapsulates that buyer, that experience, and, and kind of that relationship between consumer and equipment. Editor's Choice acknowledges the fact that, you know, that may not be every single buyer. And there are other factors and features 
that can go into determining how somebody might feel about a club or the type of impact that that club might have on the industry. You know, look at Sim Max too and what Taylor made did. There's a story right behind that from Sim last year, a totally new design to what it did this year. Um, you know, I could make an argument that one of my editor's choice would be Cobra and its Rad Speed line because Cobra always seems to be you know, that, that, that one one hundredth of a point or, you know, like one little step behind in a big metric standpoint. And so not necessarily on, you know, that top spot on the podium, but they are doing a lot of really cool, innovative stuff that has real benefit to golfers. And we see that in our testing as well. And it might be that we want to shine a light on those type of stories as well that do get lost when everything's just rank and file one, two, three, four, five. And if it's not one or two or three people, you know, ignore it or discard it entirely. And there's also stuff that we don't test in that same vein. You look at like, um, I'll mention the stack system, right? Swing speed type things. We don't test those type of devices, training aid things in the same way. But that is a really, really cool product and you dive into it a little more, you realize there's an entire ecosystem of, you know, swing speed, um, you know, products, physical capability kind of stuff, workout training. That whole world is an entirely separate world that we don't test in that same way. So Editor's Choice is a space where we allow the story behind products to have a, a spot of its own and influence some of what we like and what we want to share with our audience. Yeah, the context of it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like story, uh, you know, most wanted can play a role. Yep, sure. If something absolutely kicked ass in most wanted, it's probably going to be editor's choice too. Didn't we choose the Odyssey putter for that? We had an Odyssey putter that absolutely yeah. kicked ass. Callaway Apex Pro irons absolutely kicked ass. Cobra F-Max irons in the super game improvement category absolutely kicked ass for maybe the third year in a row, at least two years in a row where that particular iron franchise absolutely dominated. And so there are cases where a most wanted performance is just too big to ignore or to to sort of, you know, consider enough other factors that to get you over that. But yeah, when we look at for editor's choice, it's like, yeah, all right, you know, it'll perform reasonably well, well enough. How did it do in the market? What was the what was the reception by the golfers? And if you want to call that a cool factor, fine. But just and hey, you know, was there anything different here? Was there anything in, in the case of Sim? I, like I talk about the risk. It is risky to to take a piece of aluminum and stick it on the back of a driver because it it hasn't been done before. And so when you take that kind of risk, hey buddy, you have to worry about hey, what are the sound implications? Can we engineer the sound in such a way that doing this cool little feature that that does you know have a performance benefit not make the driver sound like crap? Can we do it in such a way that if a golfer after a golfer's hit it two hundred times, it doesn't come detached? So there's lots of things that go into that. <laughs> that right. you have to gamble with a little bit to make a cool product like that. And so, you know, we with with editor's choice we can acknowledge some of that. We can give awards to things like, you know, the the Cobra 3D putting technology, right? Where as it you kind of look at the roadmap and go, yeah, in in one way or another, this is absolutely the future. There's there are going to be maybe not an entire club, but there are going to be 3D printed components that are a part of the club that that golfers buy. And there already are in all these other industries that golf isn't just hasn't caught up to yet, right? Yeah. So that that's coming for sure. So it, it's stuff like that. And there was one other one I was going to talk about. When I had um, 
looked over my soft goods and what I was thinking. Yeah. For instance, this year, uh, Under Armour have to shoot has been doing fantastic year after year after year. And then one category, you might not have won, but it was so close to winning that it was just, it was, it was, it was no brainer for me to actually to do that. Now, for instance, another one would be Salted Smart Insoles last year when they, uh, was it last year? Or the year before? Yeah, I believe it was last, last year. year. I think it was last fall when you first yeah. kind of discovered so it. So I got it and I was like, yeah. holy crap, this could really change the industry for everyday golfers to learn how to use the ground more effectively, to figure out what they're actually doing wrong in their swing because of the lateral movement or vertical force, whatever it is. But it's not a category that we test. It doesn't exist right, in exactly. any other category. But that was so, so good. Exactly. We don't have a best smart insoles. Yeah. <laughs> to, you know, exactly. Like, but that was way, it was, right. it was definitely a, a, a spot where I was like, well, this can't be left out. Yeah, so we get to capture those kind of things, right? Mm -hmm. So there's kind of all these dynamics and, and constructs that are going on around these product releases that it's like, yeah, for a lot of those reasons, you go, okay, Sim 2, there's a lot going on here. That is our editor's choice because it takes into account all of these conversations we've had with people, you know, off camera, with industry folk, you know, throughout the year that go into informing that. Yeah, the other one I thought was, you know, we do have categories like Fairway Woods is notorious where, like, we always have a most wanted winner, but, yeah. you know, we're sort of like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing groundbreaking here. There's nothing exciting. If we've got a test with, 12 fairway woods and the average guy could probably, you know, take six of them and probably not find much of a difference, especially if he's an off the rack buyer. So, you know, that category, it's often hard to pick winners. Hybrids too. You know, I think in five, six years of editor's choice, I think we've picked one winner one time. And so this year, like we didn't pick a single product, one product, but we did kind of single out the, the, what are we calling the big hybrids? So the Cobra King Tech and the Callaway. What what's what is Callaway called theirs? I can't even remember. Mm. Big ass hybrid. Yeah. Hybrid. The, super hybrid. The Callaway super hybrid. And so this is this to me is just kind of this really interesting category where you know, you're taking these the hybrid, which you know golfers like, and making it bigger, more forgiving, probably lengthening the shaft, making it longer, right? And what what I found kind of interesting and, and also a little bit funny about this you can go back a few years to when when cobra released the the f6 baffler which was something they did for ricky, ricky. fowler yeah. for, specifically for a couple shots at augusta and the concept behind the baffler f6 was that it was a compact fairway wood <laughs> with a shorter shaft so it was like like a super hybrid kind of are we still talking about clubs or something different yeah <laughs> when I look at these super hybrids, what I actually see are hybrids that are so big with shafts that are so long that they effectively qualify as um, short shafted fairway woods. I'm like, you know, this may be kind of the Harry's same thing exploding. here. I know he's, he's having a hard time, but <laughs> but it's funny. It's like it's it's almost like the the industry found a workaround because if you tell, hey, you know, we've got this fairway wood that's that's really easy to hit. But it's it's maybe not going to go as long as the one you already have. Golfers aren't going to like that. Let's move on. Move on, please. Move on. We've got a big hybrid that's big easier ass than fairly. yeah, hybrid. yeah, that's easier to hit and it's going to go longer but than so, what you Isn't already that have. something that the golf industry is great at? Is if it's a detrimental feature on one side, you just flip it over, right? Because if an iron isn't forgiving, it's it's workable. And if it's not workable, it's 
forgiving. There's plenty of that going on with this class of hybrids, but ultimately I'm, I look at it and go, yeah, this is, this is kind of this cool thing that one can help golfers and give them and actually give them more of what they want, which is distance. So it's like, I think it's a cool category. I don't know how long it's going to last. And like I said, I think it's, it's kind of an end around, <laughs> around a shorter club, but Hey, if it works, I'm all for it. Harry's, so, Harry's all about the end around. Yep. Move. Yeah. I was going to do a wellness check, Harry, but. Huh, no, let's go. All right. So. Long story short, editor's choice takes most wanted into consideration, but allows room for what the heck we think is cool, pretty much. All right. So before we go, I thought we would light a stick of dynamite and walk away just for fun. What do you think? Why not? Ladies and gents, it is time for Tribal Council. I'm Jeff Probst, and today we are voting one golf company off the island for whatever reason you want. Oh, I'm gonna actually check and and make sure if my answer hasn't already been voted off the island. <laughs> oh my! Now are we talking about like equipment or soft goods? Like what are we talking? I about don't here? care. I think Golf it's company. whatever you want. All right, well then I've got I've got one. Okay, Harry, this is Tribal Council. Please reveal your choice. October golf bags. I'm so confused as to where this music's coming from. <laughs> I know, like I don't understand what's happening. Uh, more so than usual. Is there an ad in someone's computer in the background? It might be me. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I, lo- I, thought- I was thinking that was a theme tune to this I thought show. someone at first was going to bring Harry up the Survivor music. Fu- I, I thought it was too for a second. That's actually perfect timing, too, because I actually thought that that was the theme to go off when you... <laughs> That's awesome. Um, oh, October golf bags, Harry. Please elaborate. So this is this is a bag that has velcro stitched all around it it's like it's basically a big rectangle if you will are you voguing vogue but so it's a big basically i'm just looking at the stuff now every bag is on sale (laughs) (laughs) you can make it as custom as you want but everything was velcro it's just it was a little bit out there it wasn't for me okay october golf bags you've got one vote chris who are you sending off the island? What makes this topic interesting is to pick a company that more than 18 people have heard of. I don't think 18 <laughs> people have heard of October golf bags. And so Harry's still in the beginning rounds of Survivor before we actually get to know the, like the, the players. The and characters who they are. and stuff yeah. like that. So all right. So here's what factored into my decision, right? We want to have enough companies, I'm talking equipment companies, right, out there that create competition, right? Because competition's good. But on the other hand, you start to get to a saturation standpoint where it's like, okay, do we really need 13 different types of irons, right? Like how many different, Yeah, can you really create meaningful differentiation between 13 different types of irons? I think I'm still following. Okay, perfect. So when you think (laughs) about major golf companies that are out there, we know that the big five, right? TaylorMade, Titleist, Callaway. Cobra, Ping. Yeah. You know, dominate about 90% of the market. I'm not going to vote any of those off because they are part of what drives that comp- you know, competition that we Have need. you said it yet? Nope. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I, am. <laughs> I am voting off the island Wilson Golf. Mm. Wilson. Interesting vote. Is out. 
Not because I don't like Wilson or anything like that. Fantastic people. Just golf or is like baseball, tennis? No, and no, no, no. Just golf. Too. Okay. Just kind of have to keep the football. Yeah, kind of yeah. have to. Yeah. I, it's kind of. And the baseball. American. So I think yeah. about it too. Like if Wilson Golf went away tomorrow, what would happen to the golf industry? Guess what? Nothing. Hmm. Barba would probably cry. You know. Well. He'd get a good story out of it though. He's very close with a lot of cuddly story brands. Yes. And again, I love the people at Wilson. They're great, fine, you know, but from a market-based standpoint, I don't think that Wilson offers, from an equipment standpoint, anything that, again, if it were gone tomorrow, people go, oh my gosh, do they make a single product that you sit there and go, wow, that would be a step backward for the industry if it weren't available. Uh, didn't they have some putters, Harry? They had some putters that did really yeah, well, Yeah, they right? did. The, the, yeah. the L um, is done fantastic. Every year. Every year. Every year there's a like 99 to, what is it, 99 or 109? Yeah. Know, just over 100 bucks, right around 100 buck putter that just, yeah. Just, and it destroys everyone. Yep. Just really performs well, especially at the price point. So, yeah, All right. Keep but them around as I a budget for, putter company. I asked for bold choices. That's a bold choice, Chris. Is that more bold than October golf bags, you think? Is yes. Bold? Okay. A little. Tony, who are we sending home to eat cheeseburgers and gain all their Come weight on, back? Come on, Tony. Give us so, a good answer. What, what I want to get rid of are companies that actively mislead consumers, that go out of their way to tell stories that are not grounded in reality. That's it's, half the golf industry. Well, I mean, like I said, so the rule of thumb, and this is a conversation I've had with people inside the industry, right? With the with the big OEMs, and actually even into the smaller ones, right? The kind of the unspoken rule is that everybody gets to be a little full of shit. Nobody should be totally full of shit. And so when you when you really inch towards totally full of shit, you got to go. And so the top of that list for me, and has been for years since. You know, we, we kind of saw what happened with the, the story with their their first driver. What When irons that weren't even available, uh, that you couldn't actually buy from them, had 100 plus five-star reviews on their website, you yep. kind of go, hmm, you know, something's not right. And so the leader for me in this category that absolutely should be voted off the island is Bomb Tech Golf. Pull the okay. pin. Pull the pin and pull the plug on the company. Wasn't what I was thinking. And pull the pin and walk away. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So we're going to end it. We're going to light the dynamite, walk away, and let everybody argue about whether our choices are right or wrong. Chris, I think yours might generate some discussion. I hope it does. Harry's will generate some confusion. All right. Good plan, guys. I'll see you next time. We um, have trouble counsel. What did Jeff Crope say at the end of episodes? Do you say anything? Fuck off. I think he said we out. <laughs> Did we he say out? we out? No, he does now. We out. Or no, no, I know what he says, what guys. Say? The tribe, the tribe has spoken. The tribe has mm. spoken. We out. Miranda has spoken. <laughs>